thanks for being here with us for the second episode of the Feathers and Field Goals podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Dan. We're here to kick it off again. We started with some baseball in action. Uh, Coach Mams is getting them down in Florida here after the first weekend. And now we're getting over to some football talk. And very honored to talk with this guest tonight. When you guys will be listening to this, it, it will be the week after we record. But we are recording tonight on Valentine's Day. Some of you may be celebrating with that special someone. But Dan and I here tonight with former Delaware quarterback Nolan Henderson. Nolan was a two-time All-CEA member on the football field, a three-time CAA Offensive Player of the Week. He was he's second all-time in passing touchdowns in school history with 56, third all-time in passes completed with 550, fifth all-time in passing yards with over 6,000. He was a three-time captain for the school, one of the best to ever lead the Blue Hens huddle. Feels like a perfect time to have you here, Nolan. Like I said, it's Valentine's Day. It's 214. The two and 14 are two numbers that represent the numbers you wore here in the 302 over your career. So you can only celebrate this this day once a year, and we're happy that you chose wisely and are spending it with us. So <laughs> welcome to the show, Nolan. Yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me on. Yeah, Nolan, I just want to echo what Bryce said. I mean, you and I are cut from the same cloth, uh, two Delawareans, uh, two guys who uh, went, grew up going to Delaware football games, but only one of us uh, had the All-CAA and All-American career, All-American type career. So now I'm really excited to be speaking with you here. I appreciate that. It's, it's pretty neat being from Delaware and, and growing up, going to the school, um, going to all the games, and then and then be able to play for them. So it's neat that you're also you know, being able to cover them after you, I'm sure you grew up rooting for them and watching them. So that's that's, that's definitely cool. Yeah, so you're talking about being 302 raised and 302 represent your whole life. And before we get into your career at, at Newark, that I kind of gave a preview to. And at, of course, those listening definitely know uh, your accolades and, and your time on the football field. But first, let's get into your high school career. You know, you won back-to-back Delaware State Championships at Smyrna. And it, they were the first two ever in, in school history. So could you talk about your high school experience? Uh, you know, sometimes playing in the stadium before you became in college, but how was your time on the on the high school field, Friday Night Lights? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, growing up in Smyrna, being able to play for Smyrna, uh, it's a small town, but if you ever been to a game there, it's it's pretty packed. You know, everybody kind of stops what they're doing on Friday night. From that to even when we had those state championship games, having for miles lined up down the highway, um, the send off, which is pretty neat. So it's kind of that like high school setting, that environment you kind of see in movies. Um, you know, the small town that rallies around the team, although obviously now it's starting to, to grow a little bit as, as kind of the whole state is. Growing up, it was just neat uh, going to games and kind of looking at those guys like they were, you know, Tom Brady and, and Randy Moss is out there. Um, just the fandom of being a young kid in a small town. So it was super cool to be able to go through there, having a great career, being able to kind of turn that program around. And now they're kind of hitting the ground running where they're at now. Now, my buddy Bryce here is a former baseball player throughout uh, the high school ranks. You were you were two, you played baseball too at Smyrna, right, Nolan? I did, yes. What, so it, they listed you as an outfielder in your Delaware bio, but did you did you hit center field? I mean, I feel like you would have had the range to cover center field. Or just or were you in the corners? I grew up playing shortstop. Um, ah. You just kind of stick the athletic kid at shortstop in little league, and then I, you know, had speed and could cover some some areas, so they moved me to center field, and then I would. Stuck in and out of pitching, you know, a lot of times we'd be throwing a lot of football, so I didn't really have a whole lot of time, even during baseball season, to throw a whole lot of bullpen. So that was interesting. You know, I threw hard, so it was kind of dependent on how I felt that day, whether I was accurate or not. But, um, yeah, so pitched a little bit, but mostly outfield. And then senior year, they needed me a little bit um, at shortstop again, but mostly outfield. I love being out there and just covering – Covering ground, you know, you might not get a whole lot of action, but uh, when you do it, it's pretty entertaining out there. No, there's no doubt. And of course, your arm on the football field is what uh, led you through your college recruiting experience. And we work all the way back to uh, 2016 uh, in your Delaware offer by uh, Coach Dave Brock's staff. Uh, Other offers you had from uh, UNH, uh, UAlbany, and uh, Monmouth long before Monmouth uh, wound up in the CAA. But you you commit to Delaware in July of 16. Then you reaffirm that commitment in uh, January of 17 uh, after the hiring of uh, head coach Danny Rocco. So you sign on that National Signing Day 2017. Uh, How was that recruiting process as you recall it? Um, And and how did things change between the two head coaches as there was a coaching change heading into into your Delaware career? Yeah, it was interesting because 
being from a small, small town, small state, and being undersized, I kind of had all three of the the X's for me. So I mean, I didn't, I wasn't very highly recruited. I mean, really, in eighth grade, I was five six, ninety four pounds. So got to freshman year and had a little bit of a growth spurt, but it was still pretty small. And I, well, it was always football I wanted to do, but I started to think maybe, maybe I would have to take the baseball route. And then um, I, I grew like four or five more inches and was able to obviously, you know, get to that six foot mark where uh, colleges start to take you a little bit serious. But um, yeah, it was, I was undersized, a really skinny kid, and but I could play. And um, went to camps, always felt like I was, you know, the best or if not one of the best quarterbacks at every camp I went to. Just nothing really stuck. And then I got an offer from UNH, uh, from Coach Cardi, actually, was my first offer. And from there, I want to say in a two or three week span, I got all four of those offers. So in my head, I was thinking, oh, it's, it's going to take off. You know, I thought, you know, I'm going to have 15, 20 offers. And um, after that fourth one, it just kind of, it stopped. Went on my visits, you know, still did some camps. I was really trying to force not going to Delaware, to be honest. Like any local kid, you want to go somewhere else. You don't want to, you know, stay in Delaware, even though you love it. But every every visit I went to, I would, I'd come back and be like, man, Delaware's, they're still the best one. They're still the best offer I have. They're, you know, we all know the great things about Delaware facilities and academics, the program, the history. It's a football school. So eventually I, I had to kind of, okay, this is where I'm going to end up. Stop trying to fight it. And like you talked about, I, had, I was offered by Brock, but obviously he was let go in the you know, middle of the season, I believe. So it, then it was kind of up in the air. I was committed still, but I didn't really have a contact. You know, I Coach Ginn, for the rest of the year, he was a great guy. Coach Ginn, he, he helped me. He, I think he knew he was going to be let go at the end of the year, but his love for Delaware, he was selling the school. He wasn't selling himself, which is awesome, and which told me a lot about the program. If a guy that knows he's probably not going to be back in the next staff is trying to convince me to stay, it's, it's a pretty good program. It's a pretty special place. Then when he was let go in that period of time where uh, – you know, the rumors of Coach Rocco and not having a head coach. Then it was Jerry O who kept me in. He was my recruiter. And um, if anybody knows Jerry O, if you're from Delaware, everybody knows Jerry O. But if you don't know him, he's a great guy. One of the, you can call him anytime you need him and he'll have your back. He knows everybody. He's got every resource you could possibly need. So, I mean, he was, he was kind of the, the recruiter for me and kept me, close and engaged and then when Rocco came I think as soon as he was uh, hired he came to Smyrna High School when he was in our coach's office and and talking to me about you know reaffirming my commitment never let go of the commitment but was also looking other places because you never know um, so that was cool that you know his first day I was one of his first stops so that's cool to hear. And a couple of things I want to go back to. Dan mentioned I was a baseball player and you talk about that adjustment of the throw between football and baseball. I, ne- I never threw the pigskin outside of the normal turkey bowl Thanksgiving Day type. But you know, now transitioning from baseball to golf, my swing is really off, uh, slicing r- everything right. So I definitely feel the transition between sports, even if it might feel the same, you know, the, the throw, the swing, things are, are definitely a little different. But and, and the same thing with Jerry O. Dan, I, I actually never knew him, but Dan just introduced me to him at the uh, most recent uh, Touchdown Club Senior Awards Banquet. So it was really cool to meet him and can definitely – see wow anyone can just like love the the type of person that he is and the like what he brings to the school and and the state in general so yeah i love it and amazing high school career and of course now you become to to be a blue hen yourself and your first career uh, appearance wasn't 2018 at against lafayette but your first career pass was thrown in, in the final regular season home game of that season against villanova how was that experience playing in delaware stadium different at the high school level compared to in 2018 for the Blue Hens. What was going through your head when you first stepped on the field uh, on the, on the college stage instead? Yeah, it was, it's an interesting story. Cause you know, I, we had, I, I might mess it up, but we had Pat Kehoe who went down JP, I believe went down and really Darius was taking three reps 
So I was kind of the four, three. We didn't know who was the three. But I was off on the other side of the field with a scout. So I, I was prepared as much as I possibly could be without taking a rep. But I'm on the headsets because I'm, you know, a signaler and, and you know, Pat obviously goes down. And JP, I think one of the first or second play he was in, bangs his shoulder up. So I'm on the headsets and and I hear Rocco say, uh, let's see what Nolan's got. And I'm like, my, I mean, I couldn't feel, I thought I was levitating, like chills, just because it caught me by surprise. I had no idea that I was going to be the guy that was next up. So I'd say for the first two or three plays, I was just over the moon about being on the field. Villanova game is obviously the biggest game of the year, uh, no matter what the records are of, of each team. So I was definitely nervous. Then you get hit one time, you complete a pass, and then you start to realize it's just football. I probably didn't play the prettiest game, probably had some open receivers and chose to just run around backyard style, but I, I was comfortable. And uh, from the, from that day on, I was I felt you know, like I belonged and felt more comfortable and never had that full body chills moment again. I was, I've always been locked in ever since then. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't want to call the word funny would be the wrong word for it, but the Villanova regular season game this past fall, the Delaware just completed. I don't know how closely you were able to follow the team, but another young quarterback had to step in, in the midst of the Villanova game. And I was sort of having all kinds of, uh, all kinds of flashbacks to that one. But if, yeah. if, if that young player can emulate <laughs> any part of your career, I, I think he'll take it. But um, but not enough about Villanova for now. We'll get to them a little later, maybe. But, you know, as we progress through your career timeline, Nolan, to 2019, the 2019 season, uh, my first season covering the team. And and I remember, of course, that season had a, a lot of different ebbs and flows to it with the, the health of the team. And, and you guys wind up with, uh, in 19, a, a five and seven finish. But that was the year where you, you really started to funnel into that what led into the spring 21 season, which of course we'll get to discuss even further. But what did you learn through the 2019 season? Uh, what, what stands out to you about just kind of the, the, the lessons along the way in that, that maybe set a foundation for you to wind up having the, the 2020 season that you did? Yeah, 2019, I was, you know, it started off, I had packages. I'd come in on third downs and just try to spark the team, get a, you know, convert. It wasn't even specific quarterback run game packages. It was just, throw Nolan in every couple drives. So I was kind of eased into it, but it taught me to just always be ready. And I was the guy that was glued to to those he's hip, ready to go in. So really just being ready at all times and then being selfless. Um, obviously, I wanted to be the guy, and just like anybody else does, but understanding the team needs me to do this right now, and I got to do it to the best of my ability. And then I think as the year went on, I got more and more comfortable and uh, was eventually able to start some games and, and play some meaningful snaps. And from there, you're just learning, right? A lot of times you're seeing things for the first time, your confidence starting to increase, you're touching the stove every now and then and, and realizing you can't do that. But I think 2019 was a big year of growth for me, just going from a guy that was, you know, talented and could have a bright future to kind of seeing some glimpses of, some good, you know, good ball. So I think that was a big year for me, just, you know, being more comfortable and then understanding I got to do whatever is best for the team, however I can help the team win. Uh, we were banged up that year, so it was, it was a tough year. Um, but I think I had a lot of growth, and I think the team had a lot of growth. Yeah, and 2019 was my freshman year and definitely saw that potential every time you're on the field. You started to see more and more as the season progressed on, and, then we got really excited about the 2020 season. We, we know that you're already at the helm. You, you're one of the leaders in the locker room. And then the pandemic happens and it's, it just stops the season from really playing. Before we get into what was a great season this program, can you really talk about how that season was uh, just inside the locker room? Of course, everyone in the country was dealing with it, but obviously a lot of injuries in 2019. Expect to be a really good team in 20. How was going through the process of that uh, throughout the offseason, getting ready for for spring ball and then it just really hits. Yeah, just bizarre, really. Um, it was obviously all unprecedented, so nobody really, you know, Coach Rock is a very organized guy and, you know, schedule this, that, and you couldn't be, like, it was just kind of nobody knew, nobody had answers. 
but I, I had to give a lot of credit to our team of, you know, not knowing when we're going to practice again, not knowing if we're going to have a season, if the season is going to be in a month or if it's going to be in six months, just staying ready, which is really tough to do with no start or end in mind. And then also when the season started with just the selflessness of staying in your little pods, you know, not uh, risking the team because that really, you know, you're getting tested like twice a week, three times a week. You could accidentally, you know, put yourself in a bad situation. So just being really intentional and selfless, I talk about it all the time. That That's what brought that team together. I think that might be one of the closest teams we've ever had. A, a big deal of that is we're on, we were on Zoom all the time. So then when we were able to see each other in person, it was like genuine joy. You, know, you get to be with your boys. You get to be, you know, hang out, not instead of in front of a, a you know, computer screen. So um, that was a big, a big year in terms of like as as bad as adversity can get, really, for a football team, not knowing if you're going to play, not knowing when you're going to play, and then having to kind of, you know, put down maybe your own, you know, once and kind of putting that in front of the, you know, the team. So I think that was a, a crazy year. Um, almost feels like a blur just because, you know, the timeline, I, people ask me like the spring season, I didn't even realize we were like finishing in May and then we were back in August. Like it was, it was crazy. It, it was awesome. Um, it was a good time as a, as a group being together, obviously the, the time for our country wasn't great and, and having to get tested two, three times a week wasn't ideal, but that was a big year for, I think the, the group to just, gather around each other and become really close before before dan asks you about the the spring 21 season it just brings me back to the whole testing two three times a week i remember being on campus that fall getting tested and first first week moving into the dorms actually as my sophomore year and i tested positive the first time ever getting tested so it was one of those things where i got moved over into in the quarantine away from everyone else in the dorms. I think I was over in the courtyards over there on, on East campus. And it was a crazy time. And it was one of those things where like, once you test positive, you, you test positive for like a couple months after that. So it was one of those things where I test positive the first time I was stuck in quarantine, but I didn't have to test again for the rest of the semester be, because of that. So yeah. it, it just brings back how like that added element is crazy, but yeah, Dan, we want to get into obviously team building moment there. And now we get into a spring 21 season that was really strong for the program. Yeah, Bryce, exactly. And strong from the get-go because I, I know we have a trivia segment saved for later and we'll pepper Nolan with a couple of questions that hopefully we can get him thrown off guard. There isn't a question that he can't answer usually, but uh, I don't even have to ask it in a trivia format as far as who was the player who had that opening kickoff return in the season opener in the spring against Maine. Uh, the way Dejon Lee returned that football and I, I remember the home sideline just being beyond jack to see that for obvious reasons as the season opening return and but that moment it, it certainly is seared in my memory i'm wondering what your memories are of that and just i'm sure going into the kickoff the team was so thankful to be out there but then for that to be the outcome and for that to be the play that was made it turned out to be a really great day for the team overall but what are your recollections of that uh, of that moment yeah i mean it set the tone right for the entire season the build-up of finally being able to play and then that being the first the first play of the game you know, started the season off feet hitting the ground running. So, I mean, my recollection of it, I don't even really pay attention to the kickoff. I get in my own zone of, because I assume either it's going to be through the back of the end zone or we're going to get the ball around the 20-25. So I'm warming up. You know, the guy, I'm, I forget who I'm throwing with on the sideline, he turns to look and, uh, you know, you you just see it being from the, the far end of the sideline. People start to kind of the energy starts to rise and then if the, you know, the further he gets down the field, now people are starting to run. So I, I just ran with the herd. I didn't even know what was going on. I just started running. Cause I, you know, you know what that means. I saw the last 20 yards, but yeah, it was electric. I mean, what better way to start the season? And then all the things like, like you said, we, that was a really big buildup. Like we were months behind schedule in terms of a, we weren't itching for a football game. So for that to be the first play of, of that season was um, storybook, really. And, and just a, a quick follow-up, because you guys went on to really control that game. I mean, among in the history of conference games that we've watched Delaware play in the FCS level, I mean, this was a game that you guys really dictated. I'm curious, from your view on the field, 
certainly, I mean, you guys were so tight and had bonded so tightly over the delay that led up to that season. But it seemed like there were there were some games where you guys got some more, way more breathing room than you would typically expect, right? In most conference games, could you tell when you guys were on the field, kind of which teams had had, had more chance to practice or just had handled it properly? Because it certainly wasn't easy to handle all the in flux for everybody, right, across the country. Could you kind of perceive which teams had kind of navigated it better than others? Yeah, I think you. It's a, a lot of things, a lot of factors that you could probably put in play. I think it probably shows who, you know, during that waiting time, who was actually waiting and who was actually putting the work in. And then I, I can't get away from like the second part of it is like who loves football? Like who we were ecstatic to get on that field. So we enjoyed every moment of it and we were ready to play. And not every team handled it like we did. And I think that was one of the bigger differences. I mean, it, it was, it's tough. You know, we I think that last test was either on Thursday or Friday. And so you could go into, you know, Friday at two or three o'clock and not be a hundred percent sure certain who's going to play. And we didn't really care. We just knew, you know, we get out there, we're going to take full advantage of this because we're itching to play, you know, never want to question other teams, uh, want or determination to win a game but I it just felt like we wanted it more and we took advantage of that time in between the unknown to that first game that like you know we we wanted to not just wait but to put the work in so that it would pay off and I think that that's one of the bigger things we'd see is kind of everybody's hyped up in those first five minutes but when it starts getting that second third quarter and we're still we're still running at you full speed and uh, you got you start to see the look in their that your opponent's eye of maybe they don't want to be there as much as you do. I think I saw that most that year, which is just a testament to how we handled it. Right, we could have easily f- fallen into that. You know, there's a lot going on, a lot of stress, a lot of adversity, and we could have kind of folded into that. Uh, but instead, we kind of it kind of brought out the best in us. Obviously, the whole run was amazing. You know, you started out with with a big playoff home win against Sacred Heart, and then you get in and you beat Jacksonville State in in Jackson in Jacksonville, Alabama, a future Commerce USA opponent that we'll get your thoughts on later on, and then you, know, you lose in South Dakota State. But amazing season, as you kind of like talked about earlier, getting in, you finished the season, and it was a, it was a great run and just a really great moment and then it's a really quick transition. You get into summer and you don't really have that spring prep that you did. And you just kind of jump right in into the fall season for you. And personally, you talk about the team standpoint of it was a really fast turnaround, but you started the first four games for suffering a season ending injury. Can you talk about like the 21 season? You kind of already got into it Uh, personally. How was that for you really just coming back from something like that and, you know, still trying to be a leader for the team, as you said, the team is so close and still trying to keep them together, even through adversity of a long run and getting back and, and you unfortunately not being able to be on the field itself. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was really tough because that year there's a lot of expectations, you know, came off of a semifinal appearance. I think we were ranked six or five when I went down in week four after the Albany game, I believe. So it was, t- it was tough for me just cause you know, you, you go to the semis, um, you pretty much have everybody back for that next year. And, um, a lot of expectations, you're kind of feeling, you know, being a Delaware guy, you're feeling that hype start to come back around the team, um, top 10 ranking and you, you guys are playing good ball at the time. So it, it was tough. It is what it is. It happens, right? It, it's, just like in life, there's there's adversity that hits, and in football, there's injuries that that you know obviously it's the worst part of the game, but it, it happens. So I had to kind of flip flip my my mindset to, to a lot of disappointment. You know, once you once you're told your season's done, it's pretty tough to hear. But you kind of there comes a point where you have to just flip the switch and um, decide because it's really a choice. Decide that you're going to do whatever you can for your, for your team. Right. So I was a leader on that team and, and I had to think of ways to, to be a leader without being on the field. So that took a lot of intent. That was a rough year, to be honest. I had uh, the, you know, season injury, season ending injury 
then my mom passed away. And then a couple months later, Coach Rocco uh, was fired before my senior year. Um, so those three things combined were pretty tough. But one thing that kept me going was my my teammates. I knew I had to be who I had to be um, for them. The day after my mom passed, I was in pads for the Richmond game, ready to play that next week against Nova if we had beat Richmond. And I just wanted to be there for the guys. I wanted to do whatever I could without maybe being on the field, you know, helping the, you know, helping Zach prepare, talking to the guys about what I'm seeing, you know, what are you seeing? And then just being there for them at every meeting, every practice. Um, it's easy to kind of feel bad for yourself and maybe not want to show up as much or not want to be as, as engaged. But I think that's what a leader is. If you're, if you're only a leader when you're on the field or when things are going great, then I don't really consider you a leader. Wow, it's really inspirational to hear you speak about that and open up about that. If, if there's one thing that sticks from our conversation, I really hope for folks listening, it's that one, because I'll, I'll, I'll take that with me as well. Um, it, Nolan, you, you brought up the uh, Coach Rocco coaching change at the, at the tail end, or I should say, I guess it was immediately following the um, fall 2021 season. And so at that point, that was a spot where now you're a player who was recruited by or under one head coach's administration, so to speak, and then you play the majority of your career under a different head coach, and now you have a you have eligibility left, but now there's even more uncertainty, of course. And so, uh, I, I recall your your was it your recommitment to Delaware that came on the same day as uh, Coach Cardi's uh, introductory press conference? Is, is that when it synced up for you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. and you mentioned earlier uh, uh, Coach Cardi recruiting you from his time at New Hampshire, but uh, wh- why Ryan Cardi? Why, why what were the conversations like with him that ultimately uh, re- helped you reaffirm uh, being at UD? There honestly wasn't a whole lot of conversation when he, I had heard the rumors and so I was in the portal really to protect myself. I, I went on visits and it, it felt like cheating on a girlfriend and you know, it, it just felt weird. And, um, so I, I, I obviously wanted to stay at Delaware. Um, and I heard the rumors and I heard his name swirling around and obviously me knowing him from him being the first offer I've ever gotten, I was rooting for that. Um, so as soon as I saw that he was hired, um, we met, I think, before or after his, uh, you know, introductory um, press conference. And it really wasn't even him trying to convince me. It was like, all right, so what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to do this thing? Because, you know, you, you know, a, a success, you know, the success of a, a coordinator that's done it over and over and over and over and how fun it is to play quarterback in his offense so I immediately as soon as he he was announced it was it was pretty much okay where do we go from here can I get the playbook now but that was that's pretty much how it went and he he uh he was joking like so when are you going to tell him that you're coming back I was like I'll do it right now and uh that's how that happened a couple hours later so I, I love to hear that. And it, it, I, I do like to hear you, the, the cheating on the girlfriend things. Obviously, I think that was maybe the first year, one of the first years that the portal like really became a, a big thing around the game. And obviously the, the program's future really unknown. And it, it was more, more, it just felt like a weird feeling for you. And it, your, your gut always pulled you back. And after, after how 21 ended, it, your story at UD was definitely like the, the book was not finished being written. You, that 22 season was ready to come and it started off of uh, off of a great one of my favorite games maybe the most favorite game that I've seen obviously I was telling you beforehand I'm from the Annapolis area and being home for the weekend for a game like Navy being in the parking lot with with all my Navy friends and not obviously believing in the team but kind of going in just ready just really enjoying the day being there playing against an FBS school and Obviously, winning the game, the Chandler Harvin pass is something that I always remember. Starting out the game with a with a, a nice throw to Bryce Tamale too, and the defense and special teams really starting us off as well. And and then of course Ryan Ryan Cardi's famous quote uh, post game at the end of the at the end of it on national television. So I, I, this is what I was looking forward to the most. Could you talk about this game and just how that was to start the twenty two season uh, for the for Coach Cardi for you and for the program. Yeah, that was that was a lot of excitement, just because going through, going through spring ball and and summer camp, and the offense is clicking. 
you see the potential of the offense that he puts in. So that was exciting. And then you got an FPS opponent. That was exciting. Then, you know, you walk out on the field and, you know, I don't know how many cadets they have, but, you know, the stadium's packed with energy and the flyover, you know, it's a beautiful day. There's not a cloud in the sky. So that was, I'll never forget that day just because of the excitement. There were so many factors that made it exciting. And then really the, the defense keeping us in the game and us on offense making enough plays to win it. Um, just the feeling when I took that knee at the end of the game and, you know, they had that, that goal line stand was, you know, I'll never forget it. You know, first FBS win in, in a while here and kind of setting the tone for the season really in waking up pretty much the, the nation and, and letting them know that, you know, we're back. And, you know, my first game back was exciting. So it was awesome. There's there's a lot of factors in there that, that made it special. But it, I'll never forget that. It's one of my favorite games for sure. The the Chandler Harvin picture afterwards was always my my favorite. The salute there, and <laughs> that was that was such an awesome moment. But obviously, it was the start of something. And Dan, do you want to get into to another great moment for you? Yeah. So the twenty twenty two season as well. The, the Navy game is rightfully the first question to ask about uh, Bryce. But I remember as well. I, I'm sure Nolan will as well. How the team had to go back up to Rhode Island playing at Rhodey for what felt like. Like how many times did you play at Rhode Island in your career, Nolan? I f- feels like eight. Feels like it was yeah. like every year. <laughs> yeah. So you you got pretty comfortable though with that offense uh, in the in the 2022 game at, at at URI. That first half you guys had offensively in that game really felt like to me, you know, this is the Ryan Cardi offense that was spoken about so highly of. Not that we hadn't seen it on video for years at UNH and he got it done at Sam Houston, but it seemed like you guys really broke through that day. What? What what was really making you guys fire on all cylinders in a, in a in a really comfortable road win that afternoon? Yeah, and I, I think they were they were like a top fifteen or a top twenty team at the time too. So it was really a big game um, in the CAA. I mean, really, it was one of those days. Like I was feeling that's probably the most comfortable I felt in a in a football game ever. It was a combination of that and then Coach Cardi, everything he called worked. It was just everything he called was there, and even when it was tight or you know maybe not the best look for it we were just making plays that day it just felt like you know you're in the you're in the gym and and you know whatever you throw up is going to go through the hoop which is which is the funnest time to play so I I gotta get a lot of credit to to coach Cardi um the offensive line I I didn't really get touched that game you know again it was just kind of everything was just firing on all cylinders and um it was a special game it was really fun because it was going to be hard to outdo the multiple overtime game that you guys, it must have been multiple OTs, right? That you guys had played up there under the lights in one of the biggest games I think that Rhode Island's program had had, you know, in some years. So that, I, you guys really did outdo yourselves with that uh, 2022 game. Yeah, and it, you talk about that multiple OT game. It's funny because b- before coming a, a student at UD, I had to get a Blue Hens jersey, and I, I got a number 21 off of eBay. So, you know, that Justice Hensley interception then, it was always great. I was like, I, that, that that jersey was fate for me right there. So uh, it was a great time. And something I want to ask you as well, you know, you talk about you know, transition between head coaches and something that I think is really, really not talked about is just a, a quarterback learning a whole new offense as well. Uh, being a Falcons fan, uh, I became a Falcons fan because of Matt Ryan, actually. And your uh, first college game I ever watched live was a Boston College at Maryland game when when Matty Ice was there for BC and uh, an electric game. And I said, you know, I'm going to go where he goes. And I, he had at least four or five offensive coordinators over his career. Obviously, he had Kyle Shanahan there in the beginning who who went on and just learning different a different playbook. And h- how was that? You're transitioning in, into your last year at UD, and I feel like two totally different uh, systematic approaches to the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, so I had I had three offense coordinators, and I think four quarterback coaches. So with each of them, you just learn something new, right? They all have their own terminology. Coach Simon was more of a pro style when I first got there. Uh, we were probably sixty, maybe sixty-five percent under center. Um, which is obviously new to me being from Smyrna and I never took anything under center, you know, not since Pop Warner. So that was new. Um, and then kind of got to Coach Ambrose, who did both, was more 50-50 maybe under center, 
and and shotgun. And Coach Ambrose might be my favorite coach I've ever had. I have nothing but great things to say about him. He he deserves to be a head coach somewhere. And then Coach Cardi, where nothing was uh, under center. So it, it kind of went through a life cycle for me where it was mostly under center and kind of 50-50 and then all shotgun. And I think just it's natural as you get older um, to have a better grasp of the offense that you're in, be able to pick up offenses quicker. But I also just took a little bit from each, you know, each of them. And um, I feel like it prepared me by the end of it, my senior year, to have um, as many answers as I could and be comfortable with different looks. Because, you, know, you know, there's only certain you know, ways to run or throw a football. There's different ways to get to it. But, you know, a lot of times they're doing the same thing, just out of different sets, different formations, you know, under center or shotgun. But it is, it is a, a, I think, a blessing and maybe a curse to have that many, right? You'd love to have one offense for four or five years. But I think a lot, you know, having those three offenses uh, to have to learn and, and, you know, digest, it really helped me uh, moving on to the next level. I'm happy we brought up Coach uh, Jared Ambrose. He was he was awesome, and you could see that with Albany as well. Just the way that offense was moving for an FCS player from themselves. So that was great, and obviously a great career. We could talk about you in the Blue Hens all day when when you're in the jersey. But I think a lot of a lot of Blue Hen fans definitely want to hear what's going on with you now. So Dan, do you want to kind of talk about like af- life after the 302? Because you made your mark in the state, and it was ready to kind of move on and get ready for the next level. Yeah, you guys both stole my thunder because I was gonna I was gonna ask about Coach Ambrose if 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 no one didn't I figured no one would bring it up because of course that was that was a big run uh, the Danes had but um yeah no one your 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 post UD career uh ha- have to get started by you know giving you a chance to speak about your time in, with with Baltimore and you, the story behind the jersey number you got to wear which I'm sure was you know quite meaningful and uh, made made the rounds online for good reason uh, I, I should first ask you the origin of that story how that came about. Um, as far as, first of all, getting to work with the Ravens and then also how you got your number and then what, what the feelings of that were uh, for you as a, as a Delawarean and a, and a UD lifer. Yeah, it was really, it was kind of out of the blue um, in terms of ending up in Baltimore. I, I really hadn't talked to them at all um, through the, the pre-draft process and it eventually just ended up being, right? So it, it didn't even cross my my head in the pre-draft of like the possibility of, of obviously going where Joe Flacco went, but, you know, going there, was a, obviously a, a great opportunity. It was surreal just kind of getting that call and sitting back for a second and like really going through like how far you've come as that little kid, you know, in the backyard and, and even in high school and even from, from little old, you know, Delaware. So that was awesome. And then when I showed up, you know, you go through the physical, they say into a locker room to get, you know, fitted for everything. And uh, I saw number five next to my name and I was like, that's pretty cool. That's, that's, that's pretty cool to, cause I, I have a vivid memory, you know, all, I, I can't, I probably can't tell you what I had, uh, you know, for dinner a couple of days ago, but I have a vivid memory of me and my dad uh, walking up to the tunnel and Joe Flacco signing a, a little, you know, probably a kid's small, you know, Flacco jersey and just seeing the how big he was is my first impression. And my dad's six foot six, but him in cleats and a helmet, um, he lo- he might as well have been seven foot, especially at that young age. So that memory kind of flashed in my head when I saw it and and it kind of just get brings you back, gives you a perspective of like, this is really a blessing to to be in the situation. The media team obviously had fun with it. And, and wanted to post about it because it's the the Delaware guy coming you know you know the Delaware connection to the Ravens but um yeah it was awesome experience and um, really surreal uh, to be able to be with those guys be in the same quarterback room as Lamar Jackson so these situations like I was I've just been blessed to even get the opportunity to do that and I couldn't do it without uh, University of Delaware and my teammates my coaches everyone that was involved. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you uh, to to go into being in the same quarterback room as as Lamar Jackson, especially after an MVP season like that. So, obviously, it was a really cool opportunity the the jersey number, but 
you know, what were some things, obviously we're going to get into where you're at now as, as yourself and, and your professional career uh, still playing. And, but what were some things you, know, you learned a lot from a lot of different coaches, but what, what were some things you took away from uh, learning from Lamar? Lamar is special. Lamar is, is just one of those guys that like was made to play football. He, he's got an absolute cannon and he's, as every muscle in his body is quick twitch. He's just, you know, unbelievable, unbelievable athlete, but he's a great dude. You know, he could easily have ignored the undrafted free agent from Delaware, but he didn't, you know, he was, he was a really good dude and um, treats everybody with respect. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about Lamar, but then his work ethic, you know, he's in that building. He's, you know, he's going to work his, his butt off and, there's things that he does with with the football and and with his legs that very few people in the world can do, and it is pretty neat to to have been in the same room as him the year he wins his second. I think he's like one of eleven players, or even maybe even a smaller number, uh, to win two MVP awards. So uh, that was a super cool experience just to watch him, see how he works, um, see how he is in the meeting room, see how he is to people was, was probably the most impressive thing to the cook, the, the janitor, um, or the GM. He's kind of the same guy, which is really, really cool to see. That's the consistency that wins the MVPs, right? So he's this, he's yeah. clearly that's what, that's what we're hearing in, in, in you saying that, uh, you also want to hear more about, we're getting closer and closer to it. I know we want to speak about the UFL, um, because that's, that's so exciting. It's right around the corner, but your story continued because you, you, you boot up a uh, Henderson QB training and we're, we're seeing you with, with the clips of working with some other local younger quarterbacks. Uh, I'm wondering what, what, what trends you're seeing in the younger quarterbacks of today uh, from your experience and kind of working out with them and, and getting them coached up uh, who all have you worked with and, and how, how did that even benefit you along the way uh, now to this next opportunity? Well, they're, they're a lot better than I was when I was 15, 16, 17. I think like, like everything, the sport evolves. And, um, I, I, I kind of push it to basketball. Like the game has changed because of Steph Curry. You know, I saw a stat, something about, you know, there's a diagram of the most, the, the most common shots in the NBA and most of them were behind, behind the three point line. And I think the same is true for quarterback play. Um, the examples of athletes like Mahomes and Rogers and, these guys that are doing things at a high level and, and maybe not the new school of teach or the old school of teaching these kids at 14, 15, 16 are now working on that. So, I mean, the game's just going to evolve. I've been really impressed with the guys I've worked with. It started off, we're, we're at about like 48 kids total. Most of them to begin were from Delaware, but now I'd say 30, 30 are from Delaware. The rest are pretty much broken up between New Jersey, PA, Maryland, um, and we even had a kid that was able to fly in from uh, Tennessee. So it was pretty cool to uh, to see that. I, I enjoy it a lot. I like being, you know, a support system for them, a, a mentor for them. And it's also pretty cool to see them make some throws and kind of see that confidence rise um, when, start, when things start to click. So I was lucky enough to have a really good coach, uh, Coach Marks, who was kind of my QB coach, he really was my offensive coordinator for high school, but we worked a lot of mechanics. So he helped me a lot. And I, I saw a lot of kids that didn't have that resource. And I wanted to be that resource for them. And um, I think I found a big purpose in it. It's something I want to continue to do and and, and probably do the rest of my life and, and grow it as, as much as I can because I enjoy it that much. The relationships you build, like I can go on and on. I, I love it. It, that's awesome to hear. And it, as you said, like when you were coming out of high school, just the body type you were and just really who you developed over time. And it, I'm sure not only physically, but mentally, a lot of a lot of people are learning much about you. And especially I see one that one quarterback that you're working with is a Middletown High School quarterback, Austin Troyer. Obviously, he will be coming to Newark next fall and, and will be part of the quarterback room. Could you give Hens fans just a little bit of what you've seen from him before we eventually see him on the field and in, in years time for the blue hens. Uh, yeah, he should be, he should be on scholarship somewhere. He he's that good. It, it confuses me why he isn't. I think transfer portal obviously has a role in it and it, you know, high school recruiting isn't, isn't what it was even two or three years ago, but yeah, he's, I mean, 
I was six foot one fifty, so I knew why I was under recruited. You know, I was one fifty. You know, I was I was real thin. He's six three, probably one ninety five, two hundred, and and has a gun, and is a great kid. So I I don't understand why he isn't somewhere. I'm glad that he was able to we were able to snag him. I'm not, I'm not complaining at all about that, but um. That's just the type of player he is. He should be getting a full ride somewhere, and we got him for a steal. Great kid, hard worker. Um, he's the type of kid, you know. After this session, he's asking questions. You know, can I work on this? How do I, you know, what drills can I do to work on this? Which again is only going to make the sky the limit for the kid because he's that talented. So I'm excited to see see his journey through Delaware, and it's it's pretty cool as a, a Delaware high school player to be able to go to Delaware and the best players go to Delaware, which is really always, always cool to see. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no doubt that keeping, keeping players in the three Oh two, it's been a, a running theme throughout, I think the first state over the years, over the different Delaware head coaches. There's always, I mean, in the high school community too, there's been eyes looking forward to Delaware players being in state with the blue hands, but we've teased it enough. And this really is the, what we're really thrilled to speak with you about as well as you're heading into your UFL season, your season with the, with the Houston Roughnecks. How excited are you to get going in the professional game again? Uh, tell us how, as much as you can, you know, how that signing came about, your, what your process was like to stay ready. Of course, you're, you're coaching and training other guys, but you know, clearly you've kept yourself in the, in the right condition, and now, now the time's uh, coming right up for you to get back out there. Yeah, I've gone back and forth with it, to be honest with you. I, um, you know, when I was let go by the Ravens, I stayed in shape, um, had some workouts around the league, stayed in shape, but then I started interviewing for some, for some real life jobs from some finance jobs. And I was really probably 75%. Okay. I'm not playing, but then I, the more I worked out and the more I thought about my time in Baltimore, I just felt like I belong. You know, I, I, I felt like I did enough there to prove that, you know, I, I can make, you know, I can make it in this league. And then Gene got signed, and uh, that made it a little bit easier. Uh, I was already leaning that way just because I knew I had some. I still had some things left, and it's easy to put a clock on yourself, right? I'm I'm not a typical one year removed from college guy because of COVID. I'm not 22. I'm 25, so you can start to put kind of that clock on yourself. But eventually, I kind of just gave it time to think about. It. And I was like, you know, I, I think I got more to to offer. It'll be a blast, and you know that the finance job or whatever I choose to do will, will be there whenever it whenever I decide. So um, I'm excited to get back to playing. You know, I've been working out, staying in shape, but it's a little bit different when there's a report day and a week one that you can look forward to and, and a playbook to go off of. So I'm really excited. Um, it kind of adds a little bit more motivation. Uh, it's it's obviously awesome to be back with Gene. He's he's one of my favorite teammates I've ever had. Um, can't say enough about him. So, you know, I'm excited. It it'll be uh, you know, I've, it's a new league. There's there are new rules, and you know, it's obviously different than than Delaware, the Delaware Blue Hens. But at the end of the day, it's just ball, and and I'm excited to get back to playing some ball. How how often does uh, Gene throw on the tape from that uh, Jacksonville State playoff game where you guys it seemed like you guys couldn't miss you guys were you guys were always had a great connection but you were really in sync that day right Yeah I think I I'll butcher his numbers but I mean I know he had double digit receptions and broke some records for playoff or whatever but he uh, he talks about that game sometimes he he brings it up but yeah Gene Gene's awesome dude he I can say as much on the field about him as I can say off the field he's he's one of my best friends you get the ball in his hands and it'll make you look good, which is always fun. And it makes my job a lot easier. That's great to hear. And I know Dan and I are, are definitely excited to see you back on the field and, and, and see that connection between you and Gene as well. And so how's that obviously season is, is about a month away. Have you been working out, have, have practices really kicked off? And if not, when, when will things really pick up for, for you and the Roughnecks? Yeah, so, so far we, we've had Zoom meetings. Uh, I have the playbook, so I've been studying that. February 23rd is the report day. So I believe first practice is that is the 26th, I believe, that Monday. And then from there, you're, we're in camp for a month, and I believe that first game 
is uh, March 30th or March 31st. So right around the corner, a lot of individual stuff, you know, staying in shape, going through the playbook, throwing to receivers, throwing, throwing to Gene, which is nice. We were up at UD a couple of days ago, you know, get to throw with a guy that's going to be up there with me. But yeah, it's right around the corner. I, th- I think it's nine days right now, or, you know, it's almost eight days. So I'm excited and uh, ready to get going. Yeah, you and Gene watching them and Johnny for St. Louis, and hopefully we see Dejon Lee pick back up uh, for a team here in coming season. A lot of great blue hens, especially during your guys' window there. We saw it in, in Newark, and we really want to see it at the next level too. It's been great watching you guys. And I now we want to talk about the program a little bit. We're going to get in some trivia questions. We could talk ball all day, but we're not going to keep you here for too long on 214 day. Obviously, the big news, uh, the Blue Hens are moving to Conference USA and now moving up to the FBS. How do you feel about the move for the program? Do you feel it's the right move? And things Yeah, I love it. I think, I think it's where we belong, I believe, in the program that much. I think, I mean, all the factors that are involved with college football right now, I think it's best for us to go up. I think you know, there's a lot of opportunity up there, and I, I think there's no reason why we can't be competing for, for Conference USA championships in the near future. I, I know when I was in the transfer portal on talking to teams, the the theme of those kind of mid-majors or, you know, those schools are, you know, the level of play is, is not that different, you know, from where you, you know, where you've been. So that almost in a way was like, why am I really, why, why should I go up to you guys? It, it was a weird recruiting pitch. I think they were just trying to prove to me that I could play at that level. But I take that as there's a respect for Delaware up there. And I think with our resources and, and the size of the school and and uh, our, our history, I think there's a lot of success to be had up there. And I'm excited, uh, you know, the, the addition and, and to see some some pretty entertaining, you know, teams come to, to Newark. It'll be, it'll be pretty unique. And to see us on TV instead of Flow Sports is, is always a plus. I, I know some people are a little, you know, have some feelings of Flow Sports, but you know, I'm excited. I think it's a good a good move. I look at us and I look at the teams in FCS and CAA and I just think we are a little bit, have a little bit more resources, have a little bit more maybe potential than those teams. So I think there's no reason why we shouldn't go up. There's the ringing endorsement right there. It's signed, sealed, delivered. That ahead of the 2025 season, I think they need to play that uh, on the on the on the video board a couple times. You know, but that's our definitely. Yeah, ringing I, I don't know anything. That's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you experienced it. You lived it. You got to speak with those G5 programs, as you said. But we'll, we'll round this out with as we were getting at uh, some trivia questions here for you. Nolan should be able to mix up the tempo of this a little bit. I don't know if it'll be rapid fire or if we'll, we'll, be, we'll you'll, you'll have some time to think about it. But I want to start this off with working it back to our first topic, which was, uh, well, one of our first topics, which was your time at Smyrna. Uh, so as an Eagle, do you, can you recall for us your high school stats in, in terms of yards, uh, passing, uh, touchdowns, uh, rushing yards, and, and rushing touchdowns? Do you have ballparks on that? Do you have it all up here? Or, or, how, or what can you give us on that? Um, I'm bad at this. I'm bad at knowing numbers. I, I, told, I think my dad asked me my, the career passing touchdown he knew I was second. And I, I gave him a completely wrong number. I want to say I had 7,000-something passing yards. Did I have like 80-something passing touchdowns? It was, it, was, it was 89. I was making sure I was seeing correctly in our notes. Okay. Yep. And then yep. rushing yards. I don't know. High school takes – they take real rushing yards. I hate the way college does it where, you know, a sack goes against your rushing yards. But – I, I think I had more than a thousand rushing yards. Right again. Yep. Ten seventy seven. Okay. And maybe I had like, I don't know, fifteen rushing touchdowns, twelve. Fourteen. You're right there. You're right there. Let's yeah. No, so you 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 were sandbagging yourself, Nolan. You are you're right on target. <laughs> now, and then now the, it the sounds like I look up up. it looks sounds like I look up my high school stats. All the time no. now. <laughs> no, no, it's just, it's just, it's just you know what you've done for the game. That, that, that that's what we'll say. Yeah, seven thousand eight hundred twenty-two passing yards there. If I'm reading my, if you're reading the notes correctly, Bryce. Yeah, so you got them all right, pretty on it, and great career. And you start off in high school. We talked about you know that that first game, and and you did throw that first touchdown pass against Villanova. Do you remember who it was? Joe Walker. Joe Walker, yeah. 
Yeah, Joe Walker, 43-yard touchdown. So, yeah, that's awesome. And including Joe Walker, you threw 56 touchdown passes uh, over your career uh, for the Blue Hens. Including Walker, you threw to 11 different people over your career. Can you name all or close to the 11 people you threw it to? And we're going to have a tracker here. So we'll try to see how many you get. Don't forget anybody. Uh, Thyrick, for sure. Gene. Corey Spruill. Bryce DeMalley. Braden Bros. Chandler Harvin. Did I say Joe Walker? There we go. We'll count Joe Walker. It was mentioned earlier, too. Yeah. In another, so, yeah. Well, yeah, he's on the board. Um, Mateo. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's that spring season again, right? Jordan Townsend. Why did I forget that? Can I get a hint at the position? You act, You have one. You have one running back left. Uh, it's early in my career. The wide receiver is right. Yeah, right early place. in your career. And this is right, an in-state. Yeah. This is a player who played high school ball in the state of Delaware, as well. He's got a. He's got a really fun. He's one of my favorite name favorite names in the history of. Uh, oh, Delaware. Chichi Amachi against North Dakota State. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. You got Chi Chi and uh, the Marcus Yarns on there. You got a, a few of them yep. that he broke to the house after you pass it off to him. So very impressive. And yeah, you threw to a lot of great tight ends, receivers, and running backs. So that was pretty impressive. And Daniel cooked up this this one ahead. And I'm, I'm excited to see if you can. All right. So I, I mentioned it from the top. You and I have both been watching Delaware football, Nolan, since the days where it was just one combination at home, right? You had your blue top your yellow gold, you know, pants, right? And then I guess it was when you were coming in, that was still the case, but it was, there were some more combinations. And, and as you were playing, you got to rock a whole different kinds of really nice combinations. So can you, I don't know if necessarily you want to rat combination them all off, and, but what is the number of combos that any Delaware football player could put on this coming, at least as of the 2023 season, how many different combinations can UD rock? Combinations that would look, look good. Well, I just mean the combinations that have, that have appeared in games. But if you have okay, if okay. you have favorites or if you have one, I was going to say too, if you have a favorite or if you have one that you think would look good and we haven't seen yet, ah, those, go, go those, for it. Those blacks, those blacks are sweet. Um, but so you got the blacks, you got the traditional blue, blue top, yellow bottom, white top, yellow bottom, white top, white bottom. And you got blue, blue on blue. Is that, so I only have one more. I only have one more left now on my then, count. And then white on blue. Yep. White on blue is my second favorite. I think that was clean. I like that. Yeah, the white on blue. When you see that on the road, that that's uh, yeah. that, that was a change up. You know, you had you had yep. the, all the blue going on. Of course, the classic lid. Anyway, I'm I'm a uniform guy. I could talk a while <laughs> about that. I'm, you mentioned the black uniform. I feel like all the photo shoots you see guys in the black uniform. It's not a coincidence, right? It's sweet. It's sweet. Now they'll lose their mind if they go uh, black helmet with the yellow wings, but. I don't think that'll ever happen, but if we really want to go crazy, I think that would, that would look sweet. Uh, now I want to see that too. Maybe we can see a mock-up and you know, get something from the equipment room seeing that. Uh, I don't know how a lot of the traditional yeah. fans will feel about it, but I, I'm definitely int- intrigued myself. Uh, and last one, off-topic all football. I mean, you talked before Dan got on with us. You spent the weekend in Nashville with former Delaware quarterbacks, Zach Wynn and Mike Campbell. It seemed like an awesome weekend. But if you had to pick any place to travel in the world, where would it be that you haven't been so far? This is an awful question for me because I haven't been outside of the country. And so I guess I have a lot of options, but I, I want to go somewhere where the water's clear. And I haven't, I haven't been, you know, to like a tropical area. So any of those tropical areas where the, where the water is clear and there's like tiki bars and stuff, I can get behind that. Where Put me anywhere in those locations and I'll be happy. I won't even ask you where I'm at. Yeah, I like that. And as, as someone who also hasn't left the country before, you know, maybe after a season that Delaware wins the Conference USA and has a big bowl win, maybe us three and, and a lot of the Blue Hen family can plan a trip out, out to somewhere tropical well, and Bryce, enjoy Well, Bryce, used to say so, it's not the Bahamas Bowl, right? Hey, yeah. that'd be great. That I'd be down for that now, too. That That's the first thing that came to mind when we had bowls. I was like, yeah, yeah. I'll take anywhere. But if you're sending us to the Bahamas Bowl, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, that'll be a trip I'm easy t- taking all yeah. for. So. Um, but, Nolan, we've been here for a long time. We've talked a lot about a lot of different things. Great career, both in high school and in college. And really, I'm really excited to, most importantly, get that Henderson quarterback sweatshirt so I can rock it and 
in the Bob and in, in Delaware Stadium in the tub and in future games. And I uh, can't wait to follow your journey. Can't wait to see you on the field here next month. Dan, I had a great time with you. And thanks for thanks so much for being here. Yeah, with I appreciate us you guys for having me and, and all you guys do for for Delaware Athletics. Thanks, Nolan.